This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. Michelle Rudy Boyd was known as a high-performing, dedicated healthcare worker. She's a registered nurse. She wasn't just, uh, you know, a person who went to one hospital and did, you know, a regular shift. She was a traveling nurse who worked in critical care areas. So she was in a high-pressure, high-stress environment. And her friends who reached out to us initially, that was their main point that they wanted to make, is that, you know, she was a person who had it all together and who, who was dedicated, completely dedicated in her whole life to serving others and to being a part of the, the lives of her children. And so... It was unfathomable to people that she would just disappear into thin air. This week's case takes place in San Antonio, Texas on Thanksgiving in 2016. It's a warm night for November and the city has closed up as families are coming together to begin eating their Thanksgiving meals. This story began in two parts for me. Sue Kalberg is a multimedia reporter for Ken's Five in San Antonio. Late on Thanksgiving night in 2016, a five-year-old child was found taped to a commercial ice machine in an abandoned parking lot 30 miles from Michelle's house. And we all uh, reported the story of this small child being abandoned. Her mouth was taped up. Her hands were taped behind her back. A passerby happened to be walking by and heard this little girl. After freeing her bound hands, the little girl and her rescuer go to a local drugstore and call police. Investigators soon arrive. And as the situation developed, the child told police that she had been left there in that condition by her mom. But police can't find her mother, and no one seems to have heard or seen from her recently. The little girl is reunited with her dad and luckily is physically unhurt. Obviously, nobody would want that experience for their own child ever, but um, no physical harm. You know, she, she was found before anything bad happened. She was turned over to the appropriate authorities. She was reunited with her dad. She went on, um, you know, she, she went back home. She was okay. At that time, they didn't release any information about the identity of the child or the identity of the mother or missing car, missing person. They just said, mom's not here. We don't know what happened to mom. And it wasn't until days later that the police and some others, friends and family, um, issued the missing person report for Michelle. And uh, it wasn't until they found her car abandoned a few blocks away from the place where the child was found that anybody raised the alarm. At first, police believed that Michelle may have taken off in the car after abandoning her daughter in the parking lot. Because it was a holiday weekend and most people are busy with family and businesses are closed, the investigation takes a couple of days to finally discover the car behind a mom-and-pop restaurant in the neighborhood she lives in. It was behind the restaurant. It was in a dark alley. Nobody saw it. The restaurant was closed for the long holiday weekend. It wasn't until Monday morning when the restaurant employees came to work and they said, you know, what's this abandoned car doing here? It's not ours. It's on private property. And they finally called police and the police came over and they realized that it was connected to a missing person. But... There was nothing wrong with the car. And all uh, the police at the time said her personal effects were there. You know, her wallet was there. Her money was there. Her phone was there. All of the things that a person who was on the run, um, you know, that left voluntarily, 
ostensibly would have taken with them. And I think in the early days, that's what her family said, that was so conflicting and confusing, nobody could really understand, well, if her car is there, I mean, that really led people to think, oh my gosh, you know, did somebody, did somebody get her? You know, I mean, it, it was just very confusing. Besides them seeing her in one surveillance video, investigators have no sign of where Michelle may be. According to court records, there is surveillance video of Michelle coming into the store, that the very same drugstore, earlier in the evening with the child. She had been in the store. She had been shopping. She was There was surveillance video of the two of them in the store. Um, Michelle was accused at that time, according to court records, of trying to shoplift, and she left the store uh, without purchasing anything. Um, so, so at that point, um, you know, people knew that Michelle had been with the child at that point. In the early days, the investigators, the police department, the family, everybody absolutely refused to say anything at all to connect the child who was found abandoned with Michelle because... You know, initially they said, oh, well, this child has been abandoned. If we find the mom, we could charge her. Well, then they, when they realized that there was something odd and something unexplainable going on, they wanted, I think the, the rationale was they wanted to give Michelle every opportunity, you know, if she was still in the local area, if she was scared, if she, you know, if she was having some kind of uh, issue, that she wouldn't be afraid to, to turn herself in or to come back home. They didn't want to say, you know, Michelle, you abandoned your child. We're going to press criminal charges. They didn't even want to talk about any aspect of that. Michelle's family is initially worried that someone may have taken her. And police begin looking to see if there are any connections to a serial kidnapper and murderer that was active in the area at that time. There was a very active uh, man in East San Antonio, and I'm going to say less than five miles from where Michelle disappeared, who uh, was eventually arrested, and he had been running a house where he had literally kidnapped women off the streets, taken them to this house, and murdered and burned them. We had a series of of, uh, attacks here in San Antonio, and it took the police a long time to make the connection because every time he killed somebody and burned their body, he would put it in a different place Um, around the southeast quadrant of the city where Michelle disappeared. So yes, I mean, uh, that was a factor because there was a, I mean, at the time, police hadn't really made a big deal out of the fact that there was what was essentially a serial murderer. Michelle's family and friends mounted a big search effort. They, They printed hundreds of flyers. They did physical searches of the neighborhood from which Michelle disappeared. Uh, there were, uh, her friends were literally out beating the bushes. They were in the alleyways. They were in the parks. They were searching wooded areas uh, near the area where Michelle disappeared because everybody just assumed that something really horrible had happened. But after several searches, investigators are not able to connect her case to any others in the area, and they have no other leads. And then the trail went cold. 
you know, on a personal level, this all happened right around the corner from my mom's house. And my mom is a big neighborhood activist. My mom was actually one of the people who was out handing out flyers. My mom talked to the people at the restaurant where her car was found. My mom reached out to all of the people in her neighborhood, hoping against hope that somebody would find her close by in the neighborhood and and that she was maybe just afraid or something. And... Um, and she just needed help getting home. I think that in the early days, that's what her family did. They issued a number of appeals. Her brother talked, uh, did interviews for all of the local um, stations. Her husband did interviews for the local stations. And there was a unified message that went out from everybody that said, you know, Michelle, no matter what the problem is, we want to work it out. Please just come home. We we love you. The kids miss you. Uh, please come home. That was a, a unified front. And... It went on for a period of time until, um, you know, it was obvious that there weren't going to be any answers initially. From the beginning, her friends and family knew that Michelle had been having episodes of behavior they couldn't explain. And from the beginning, privately, they said that they, was af- they were afraid that she was having some kind of mental health breakdown or something. But, again, they were very hesitant to put that kind of information out because they didn't want Michelle to be even more afraid. They didn't want to push her any farther over the edge. They didn't want anybody in the community to um, think ill of Michelle. You know, Michelle is a registered nurse. She had her health and her career to think of. In the beginning, you know, you don't, the family, I'm sure, they were concerned for her whole life and her whole future and her ability to pursue her career. And that's one of the things that I think uh, impacted me so deeply because of the stigma that nobody wanted to talk about the mental health part of this because uh, they wanted her to be able to go on and, and live her life, assuming that they could find her and they could help her. You know, they didn't want to put Michelle's personal private business out into the world for anybody or for anybody to take further advantage of her. You know, if you say this person is really super vulnerable right now because she might be in the middle of some kind of episode. They, I think their greatest fear was that somebody would see her and see that kind of information and use it against her. Uh, because, you know, when you have somebody go missing, wild thoughts go through your head. Months go by with no new information or leads. Michelle Boyd's family is offering a $2,000 reward for her safe return. Boyd is a registered nurse. She works for the Christus Hospital System. The 41-year-old vanished Thanksgiving night on the east side near Rigsby and W.W. White Road. Christmas time came and went, and we did a little round of publicity, and there were those of us who thought of her again on Mother's Day. Still no Michelle. But, it, it um, you know, news is always new, and so that story... Uh, sort of moved to the back burner and there wasn't much said about it. There were occasional updates that were posted to the Facebook page dedicated to finding her. Her mother was very um, dedicated to posting things and to asking for prayers for Michelle and to posting direct appeals to Michelle, you know, please come home. You know, we miss you. The kids miss you. Your daughter misses you. We want you home. Michelle 
was part of an online gaming community. And that's where they talked about Michelle exhibiting kind of paranoid type behavior where she had been playing online games or interacting with people online. And then it turned somehow from uh, interacting with people online to somehow believing maybe that people were watching her, that people were tracking her phone. Before she went missing, um, just a couple days, um, she chopped her hair off really short, really, really short, and dyed it kind of blondish orange. One of her friends told me early on that uh, they could remember having discussions with her at work where she talked about, um, you know, having to create aliases online and having to create new identities online because of the people who were after her. And, uh, and of course, at the time, um, people found it Unusual that she would say things like that, but not to the point where they thought, oh, this person is in the middle of a, of a mental health crisis. They just didn't understand the behavior. They didn't see the whole pattern. It was like they were looking at one tiny piece of a puzzle and they didn't know the whole story. The family had another piece of the puzzle with her behavior at home, but they didn't see the kinds, they didn't know the kinds of things that she was saying at work. So yes, there were clues along the way that, that maybe she was concerned about people that she had met online then that was another um you know area of mystery because they couldn't they knew that she had created aliases online but they didn't know who these aliases were and and they didn't know where she was so there wasn't like an ip address that they could trace there wasn't a phone that they could trace and so um, I think that's why they continued to post stuff online because they thought, well, you know, even if we can't see her online, maybe she's online somewhere and maybe she's looking at us, you know. So they continued to post updates online thinking that because she had been involved in the Internet previously, maybe she would stick to that and maybe they, she would see a message someday that would compel her to, uh, to reach out. Two years go by and still no trace of Michelle Boyd. Until one day, that changes, when a message comes to the family from 1,400 miles away. Michelle was finally located, she finally reached out to family from the intensive care unit of a hospital in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where the big reveal came about. She was, uh, she had a medical episode, she needed to be in ICU, and when she ended up in the hospital, a friend of hers um, finally convinced her, uh, a friend of hers there, one of her new friends, uh, Michelle had been living under an alias. She had, you know, uh, realized that her health had taken a serious turn for the worse. And they said, you know, Michelle, you need your family. You need your people. You need to reach out and, and get some help. You need to be able to be in the embrace of family. And she called her mom. And that's where, um, you know, we, we picked up the story all those months later. A San Antonio nurse missing for more than a year is arrested in North Carolina. Police issued an arrest warrant for 43-year-old Michelle Boyd. Since 2016, she was facing child abuse charges. And officers in Raleigh, North Carolina, found her yesterday at a hospital. Her husband says she was with a homeless man and using a fake name. When she got sick, she gave up her real name. She told me that they had to resuscitate her twice and that she was in ICU on a ventilator. When she came to, her friend was there and she confessed. 
A few of Boyd's family members are now going to North Carolina, hoping to get her all the help she needs. When Michelle admitted her true identity and date of birth, then they ran her through the criminal information system. And the fact that she had an active warrant for child endangerment in Texas became apparent. It makes sense to me that they reached out to law enforcement here in Texas and said, what about this warrant for child endangerment? And uh, probably concurrently is when uh, Michelle's reached out to her mom and told her that she was in the hospital. And of course, the mom knew the whole story and that there was uh, an active warrant for Michelle. Uh, But mainly, you know, the mom's concern was that overwhelmed with gratitude that Michelle was alive, you know, because it had been so long with no word. Although the family was overjoyed with Michelle finally being located safely, police still have an active warrant for her arrest for endangering her child. She was released from the hospital and she was taken into custody and she did have an arraignment before a judge in North Carolina to face the charges of child endangerment back in Texas. And I do know that the um, the reporting from that side of it said that she waived arraignment and or waived extradition and that she would return to Texas to face charges. And I do know that she was brought back to San Antonio and magistrated here to face the charge of child endangerment. With the case of Michelle's disappearance closed and with her facing the charges she is, Sue is still hopeful for the future and is thankful that Michelle was found safely. You know, from a personal standpoint, you know, my wish would be that, you know, since Michelle has returned to Texas, that she has been able to get the mental health care that she needs and that she is able to, uh, you know, live with her family and uh, be a mom to her child and that her child is able to, you know, have the benefit of having a loving mother in her life, and that uh, whatever the issue was, that as a health professional, especially during a time of pandemic, especially when we all are calling our healthcare professionals heroes for risking their lives on a daily basis for us, you know, that's the bottom line, is that Michelle has always been a helper person. Michelle is always, I keep going back to what her friends said about her from the beginning. You know, her friends were frantic for her in the beginning because they loved Michelle, because Michelle was a loving, caring, helpful healer. And, uh, you know, journalists are supposed to be kind of, um, you know, stick to the middle and not have feelings or anything. But, you know, my greatest hope for Michelle would be that as a healer, that she could find healing and um, and a happy, healthy life for herself and everybody that she cares for. Because as a person who dedicated her life to helping others, that's the kind of thing that she deserves as well. She deserves every good thing that she has ever done for every other human in her care. This is Will Johnson along with Spencer Brodig for True Crime Chronicles and Vault Studios. And Spencer, I don't think we've had an episode quite like this one. Certainly the topics that it deals with, the topic of mental health especially, but you start the episode with this, you know, the disappearance and then a child is involved and then, I mean, a serial killer. It kind of goes all over the place, but it's, but what a story. 
it seems like there's a you know a good amount of twists and turns that when the investigators were looking at this, you could see how it's very confusing. And 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 for Sue herself, she said, you know, it was a very confusing story to cover. The good news is is that those twists and turns didn't really play out in a in a in a particularly hurtful way. Um, I mean, this little girl did grow up for two years without her mother, and it was very hurtful for the family. But now that Michelle has returned to her family, I think that you know a lot of healing can potentially begin. And uh, I, I think that you know Sue does a great job of wrapping it up. Of there's a lot of hope for this story and for uh, Michelle's friends and family moving forward. Well, and it's, I mean, anytime somebody just vanishes and then there's this element also of a child being, you know, tied up, right, or duct taped. Um, but when someone vanishes, there are any number of ways it could go. And we've covered a lot of these cases. And sometimes they go very badly and the worst is what happens or we find out that somebody has been killed or they're not going to come back home or they've just vanished. Um, in this case, you know, and, and they, I feel like they leave all of those possibilities open, but they also, it seems to me, make some smart decisions in terms of what they're putting out there into the universe and into the press about, you know, that she's she could be very vulnerable and they don't want somebody to necessarily know that. I mean, not knowing where she is or or what's happened to her. Absolutely. And and I, I do, I would love more clarification. I don't know if there was an actual game plan where the, you know, police were told this information and they made the decision to not release it, but or whether it was the family that actually said, you know, we're not going to fully disclose uh, some of um, the things that she's dealing with. But yeah, it did seem like whatever the case may be and who didn't disclose, they did a very good job of balancing that. If she had run away, that she would still feel comfortable enough to return without, you know, feeling like she would immediately go to prison for something. Uh, they didn't scare her off. And that was, uh, it seems like they did a, a very good job of 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 protecting and releasing pieces of information that would help bring Michelle back. There's also this other side of this, of listening to this, that, you know, you just can't get away from listening to the, the reporter, Sue Kalberg, in this case. It, it, it has a very, you know, it has an impact. This story has had an impact on her. And not that we don't discuss that with other reporters, but this one especially just seems like, you know, she um, is dealing with a sensitive subject matter, uh, a woman who who vanished, came back home, and there's, you know, we're, we're always talking about human lives when we tell these stories. And we're always talking about families and friends and people who are desperate in some cases to find someone. This ended, you know, as probably as best as it could with her coming back and being alive. But you hear that in Sue's voice. Yeah, I think it's a really important reminder that uh, journalists... And people that cover these types of stories are are humans. You know, we are able to hear from a lot of investigative journalists and producers from around the country. And I think a lot of the times the emotion doesn't translate necessarily into a podcast or into a film or into a news piece. But these people, you know, spend their lives investigating these cases. And and for Sue, I think it, it this case really hit home for her. And you heard it at the end there. She talks about how she felt... Like this woman has dedicated her life to helping and saving others, and she reached a point where she needed to be helped, and that hope really shines through in this particular episode with this case because you don't often find that. And Spencer, before I let you go, there was this there, you know, and I mentioned it briefly, but there's this side of the story where there was a serial murderer or somebody who was 
kidnapping, killing people in the San Antonio area, and they had to take that into consideration. Uh, I mean, that muddied the waters and certainly didn't make the investigation any easier. No, I think it really made it a lot more difficult. And in fact, there was even more to that story that we didn't get into. Um, So there were two possibilities. One, there was that serial murderer that was in the area at the time, and he had killed three to four victims, and he burned their bodies and put their bodies into different parts around San Antonio. So the police didn't really know if it was a serial murderer at the time, but then they were able to piece that together after the fact, and he was operating during the time of Michelle Boyd's uh, disappearance. But then there's also another uh, aspect of this that Sue did get into, but we just didn't have time to cover, where San Antonio does have, like most cities in the United States, there's the possibility of human trafficking. And they thought to themselves, could she have been a victim of kidnapping and being moved for human trafficking purposes? But it brings up, yet again, like what is put out there by family and police. And, you know, you see... TV shows uh, or fiction stories where that's carefully considered, but that is absolutely carefully considered by police departments when someone's gone missing and and what they're able to tell reporters or tell the public is carefully considered, in this case, just as important. All right, Spencer, uh, thank you for bringing us this story this week. Where can people go to learn more about True Crime Chronicles and chat with other listeners? I know we've got a lot going on in the Facebook group these days. Yeah, well, we, we have our, uh, our our group inside the Crime Vault, and it's a place where uh, people that love true crime and love True Crime Chronicles and Vault Studios Productions can come together and discuss these cases. We try to get back to people when they have questions. So if you have questions about this case, you want to throw it out there and have the community discuss it, we'll be in there, you know, moderating and checking on those questions. We'd love to hear from you. And, you know, if you really like True Crime Chronicles, we would really appreciate it if you would tell your friends, tell your family, and rate and review and subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to the show on. We will be back next week with a new case and a new story.